if you kind of have confidence and believe in yourself, then you'll be able to make some pretty special things happen. Um, it might not be might not be with the Brumbies, but you you'll be you'll be playing there, playing decent footy if you if you back yourself and have fun. Hello and welcome to being a pro rugby player. I'm your host Brian Moylet. I'm a former Irish international age grade player. And each week I chat with a player, a coach or a person involved at the top end of the game to hear their story, get their insights and find out what life is like in professional rugby. On Instagram, I'm the Off Field Rugby Coach. That's at Off Field Rugby. Please follow me there and let me know any thoughts or feedback you have for the pod. Please subscribe to the pod if you haven't already. Would really appreciate if you would leave a rating and review wherever you're listening. And it would also be unreal if you could share the pod with some friends. Those simple actions really help the podcast grow. Cheers. On today's pod, I chat with Nick Feeks, winger for Nola Gold in the US Major League Rugby. Feeks grew up in Canberra, Australia, before moving to the States to study and play at Lindenwood University in St. Louis, Missouri. And during his time in college, he was a collegiate All-American 15s player which is a team made up of the best college players in the States. And he also captained the All-American Sevens team. Upon graduating in 2018, he joined the Gold and was named their Rookie of the Year in his first season. Myself and Feeks were in Lindwood together, which we chat about a little bit. I coached him there for a season and was always really impressed by his mindset and his perseverance. We chatted about those and there's some brilliant lessons, especially for anyone who's had to deal with injuries or setbacks. Feek speaks about his journey to MLR, what a typical day is like with the gold. And we also chat about a company that he has founded to help young foreign players follow in his footsteps and get a scholarship to play rugby in the States. So here is episode number one with Nick Feeks. Hey lad, so how's your week been? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Just rehabbing the old knee and and uh, prepping for a little bit of a vacation on Monday. So So looking forward to that. Nice. How's the knee? How's it? How's it coming along? Yeah, yeah. It's it's getting there. Um, you know, it's been a, been about eight months now. A couple of hiccups. Had to get a second surgery in that um, to remove some scar tissue. Um, but you know, it's really been progressing well since that, and I'm tracking for a, for a return to play uh, pretty soon here. So so should be ready for the start of the season, which will be awesome. Nice one. As oh, so you did your ACL, was that it? Yeah, ACL, I did a bit of a mozza on it, to be honest. ACL, uh, meniscus, sprained MCL, sprained LCL, and did a bit of cartilage damage just to kind of top it off. So it's lovely. Yeah, yeah. You've had a couple of injuries. You broke your leg before as well? Yeah, so I did a, did a mozza on that one as well. Um, uh, dislocated my ankle, broke my fibula, uh, dislocated tibia, and then all the syndesmosis ligaments, which are like the high ankle sprain ligaments, they all snapped in half as well. Um, so I had to get those repaired and then obviously fix the fracture with a bit of hardware. So that was a good one too. Tell me about coming back from that. So like, I remember you did that um, injury, that one you just mentioned when you're in Lindenwood and then sounds horrific. Yeah. And then came back from that, had a brilliant college career, went on to MLR, but a lot of players would struggle with that. How was that? Yeah, um, to be honest, like at, at the time, I didn't really do too much kind of research into how bad of uh, injury it was or kind of how important those syndesmosis ligaments are. 
uh, those high ankle sprain ligaments, you know, those, those alone, if you, if you strain them or, or rip them can be a three, four month kind of, um, timeout from playing. Um, bro. So I just, I mean, with the, obviously with the facilities at Linderwood, you know, we, we had access to full-time trainers and whatnot. So, so that kind of made it easy, um, to, to, you know, be able to do my rehab, um, you know, every day just kind of, you know, you got a two minute walk to the physio room. So that kind of made it, made it pretty chilled. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just kind of, there was like not really any doubt in my mind that I it was going to like play or have any effect on the, the way I played or, or anything like that. So, so that was helpful. Like it just, the thought didn't even really cross my mind about this thing, like, you know, the, the ankle being anything bad. So I just, thought sweet as the doctor said four to six months four to six months it is and we'll, we'll be good to go um so that, that was it there wasn't really any secret just kind of go in get the work done and have a positive positive kind of attitude and it and it was it was all good you know first game back I remember first carry you know I didn't even think about it and I had didn't even think about it since then I maybe taped my ankle for one or two games and it was sweet as have you always had that like belief in- and not allowed doubt into your mind as a kid? Uh, not really, honestly. I, 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 I was a bit of an over, overthinker and, and like to ask a lot of questions um, kind of about everything, to be honest, um, from small things to big things. So it's kind of a, uh, not, not a battle, but it's something that I've had to kind of work to, work to you know, uh, eliminate, I suppose, try not to think too much about things or let negative thoughts in. Um, and yeah, so it, it is a kind of constant battle still, obviously you have up days and good days and bad days, sorry, with, with, with your injuries and your, and your rugby and your training days and whatnot. So it's a kind of constant battle to, to kind of, uh, be as positive and, and, um, yeah, as positive as possible, I guess. Yeah. Nice one. Was there a time when, when it clicked, like as a kid that you had to work on that and you know, realize that it's something that you have to work on and be positive and that kind of battle you, you mentioned. Yeah, so it's funny. So it's like maybe when I was like 15, I think, James O'Connor was um, like uh, advertising this band on his wrist and it was called like a snap band or something like that, bro. And so the, the kind of thought process behind that was like if you're in a negative mindset during a game or something, you flick this band and it gives you a little bit of a sting on the wrist and then you say whatever the, your your phrase is, your grounding phase or a phrase, sorry, or, you know, whatever it is that, um, that uh, you know, brings you back to being positive or, or back to level or whatever it is. So you repeat whatever that phase is, phrase is, sorry. Um, so I bought one of those. That was probably the, my first kind of uh, leap into the, kind of mental skills training I suppose and I mean again that's a it was a very small just little couple toes in the water not a big thing but I I wore that for a little while and 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 worked with that and stuff like that so that was probably maybe yeah 15 16 is kind of when it it became apparent that this was a part of you know unseen kind of part of of how to become a a good rugby player and a a good a good person and a happy person so you click your uh, wrist or whatever and it just snaps you back into getting out of that negative mindset or getting over that setback like you you miss a tackle in a game and you flick the thing in your wrist and it helps you helps you get back into the right mindset yeah so i guess it was just a way to kind of like it's just like a trigger or a reminder 
almost. So, you know, you just, you just do that thing and then you go, Oh shit, I did that. Like, you know, I've pulled this because I want to, I know that I'm, you know, angry or I'm in not in the right mindset and now I need to say whatever I said, or even just the, the wrist thing could be enough, you know, either flick it and you're good or flick it, say you you know what I mean? So that trigger uh, phrase. So yeah, that was, that was, that was the first kind of, first kind of uh, thing that I did in terms of mental skills, I suppose. And do you do any now? Uh, so uh, we have, there's a mental skills coach um, at the, at the physical therapy place that I'm going to, um, I've done maybe one session with him and I'll probably do some more when we get closer towards, um, my return to play. So in the kind of when, when preseason starts and leading up to preseason, um, and just talk about, you know, even if I'm not, even if I'm not, uh, yeah, even if I'm not lacking confidence, I think it'll be a, a good tool to, to use just to kind of speak to him and he can kind of, help me get back to playing and, and training. Um, so that's something that I definitely will uh, use. And I mean, there's just a phrase that I try and kind of abide by as well is just control the controllables. It's my background on my phone and that, and it's just, you know, focus on, focus on the stuff that you can control, working hard, taking responsibility for your actions, your training, your diet, all that crap. So that's kind of, that's kind of a phrase that I try and abide by when I'm obviously when I'm training and playing in terms of rugby, but also just in, in, uh, in, in, in life, I suppose, you know, you can only, you can only control what you do, what you say, what you eat, but you, you can't control how other people react to that or, or, you know, what, what someone else is doing on the field. So, you know, that's, that's just kind of keeps me focused on, on myself and, and trying to be as best I can on and off the field. Nice. That's class. And, you find the meant the imagery good having like writ, write, written down on your phone yeah 100 percent, man like and you know just when you wake up in the morning check check the time or whatever it is you see that to to kind of start the day off as well and i was i also use use that on the field like i'm big with uh just like on my wrist a couple like three points for the game or like things that i need to focus on so if there is a time you have in a water or whatever it is on the field you can have a look at that and then it just kind of keeps you grounded and reminds you of your goals or your aims for the game so i find that um semi-useful i mean there'll be games when you don't look at it as well but there, there's also you know you do look at it and you go all right sweet i need to you know do whatever it is that your position needs to do on the field so i, I find that useful for sure nice uh, tell me a little bit more about playing as a kid when you were when you were younger, back in Canberra. Yeah, so um, I started playing when I was twelve. I played soccer before that. Um, I uh, my school had like a, a a rugby day. My my primary school, so ages um, it was like grades four, five, and six. So we made a team and went and played in a round robin day. And I'd like, funnily enough, being from Australia, I'd still, I mean, I played touch rugby at lunchtime and stuff, but I never played a proper rugby game. So I played, played a few games and was absolutely useless. Um, but I had so much fun and then just convinced, convinced the parents to let me play. Mum took a lot of convincing. Dad was quite happy, but mum took quite a lot of convincing. Um, but yeah, so then I played, Played in Canberra, played a bit of rugby league as well. I was pretty, I was honestly, I was pretty terrible at at, uh, at rugby till I was about seventeen. To be honest, it took me about five years to kind of to get the hang of things. Um, so I didn't really make any make any uh, 
rep squads or anything growing up. I made like uh, the the Brumbies under 17s, like extended squad, and then got chopped uh, chopped from that just before they went off to, to nationals, which was a bit of a bummer. And then under 18s didn't make it either. And then, yeah, so that it was it was good though. I, I learned a lot um, playing there and kind of also how to deal with, you know, when you don't make the team or you, you're not good enough for a certain for a certain team, which was also quite valuable. Um, it was very valuable, I suppose, looking back at it. Um, so, yeah. And um, what changed when you were, you know, you just said you were crap for five years or you weren't great and then you kind of started getting into an extended squad or started making some sort of headway. Is there anything in particular that changed or you just got used to the game? Um, I think maybe just like, yeah, getting used to the game for sure and then just like playing with a little bit of confidence, which is something that I struggled with massively. Um, like I was always pretty skinny. So like like I played, I kind of floated around positions as well. So it was, it was kind of tough. I mean, I played a bit of, played mostly scrum half, halfback, number nine. So, you know, be, being skinny, like it was, yeah, it was tough because, you know, you're, you're not the greatest defender naturally um with you know you just got blokes that are way bigger than you and when i say skinny i mean real skinny like 65 kgs kind of buzz when i was 16 17 60 kgs even so um you know it's hard to take the line on and 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 test the defense and and whatnot so it's kind of hard to get in a rhythm in a game so it was for, for for me that was saying that i i didn't really have much of was confidence honestly like i was you know I would see opportunities and stuff on the field, but I wouldn't necessarily take them because I was worried I was going to one screw up or two just get smoked to be honest. So um, that was, that was kind of one thing. And then I started going to the gym like semi regularly when I was probably like 17, which helped a little bit. And then by the time I was 18, I was about 78, 80 kgs, which was serviceable enough when you're playing against 18 year olds and that. So it was all right. I mean, still on the small side for sure. Um, and that kind of helped with confidence as well, just being able to not necessarily like break a bunch of tackles or anything, but being able to be a bit more evasive and, you know, break a tackle or two here and there um, was definitely a big, big help. And so do you think you learned anything from being so undersized? Like, did it help you in the long run being so small for so long on the field? Um, I mean, I, I, I think it, it, it maybe helped me develop a bit of footwork and stuff because obviously I'm not going to be really doing a run it straight challenge at 60kg. <laughs> so it helped me develop my footwork and made me, made me work on my footwork and stuff and probably a little bit of tackle technique. Not that I'm the greatest tackler in the world or anything, but just like, you know, just chopping legs and that. Um, had to do that as well because when, when you're 60kgs if you're going up top you're getting sent into orbit so um definitely definitely yeah. that and then Brumby 17s 18s are extended squads and you headed over to the states and to lindenwood why how did that come about or when did it come onto your radar yeah so uh my, my old man lived in washington dc when i was like 10 11 i think 9 10 something like that um and man i went over there for three months during my summer break um at the time and just fell in love with the place like fell in love with like american sports like nba like american rap music like that kind of stuff um so then like i went on a bunch of vacations and stuff with my mum, um 
to to the US like two or three times from that period of like 11 to 17, 18 and just like absolutely loved it. Like it was like, oh my God, I love this place so much. So, you know, I would love to live here. So then I was just thinking like, like no joke, I was just thinking in my head, like how can I get over there? Like how can I get over there to experience what it's like? Like, and you know, obviously like the, the plan like you know you go over there to study but you're like how can i stay here obviously that was that was what was going through the head yeah so i was like how can i get over here and i was like all right university looked up the prices 50 grand a year i'll, I'll do that <laughs> Think again. and i was like i wonder like i know like college rugby yeah i know college rugby is like a, like i didn't know how popular it was but i, I knew that it was like semi-popular so i was like looking up if there was scholarships and stuff and i mean there was very sporadic scholarships and and whatnot but then Lindenwood had just started a program was actually giving out like decent chunks of scholarships like 50 to 70 percent or however much it was like it was it was very it was very helpful in making it affordable um just got in contact with the coach um and basically sent my my stuff over and he was like sweet as and just kind of went from there like it was very casual you know sent the sent all my details and all that stuff over he was like oh good here's the international office sorted out and i was like sweet sorted out got a scholarship and i was like all right well i guess i'm going to missouri um and yeah so that's kind of how i ended up there it was fun it was funny i actually i actually texted uh actually emailed them when i was like 17 in grade 11 and then he was like, oh, you got to wait till this, blah, blah, blah. And then I kind of forgot about it. And then I saw that two dudes from Canberra, um, where I'm from, I followed them on Facebook, Linwood Rugby, and I saw that they had like signed to go there. So I was like, oh, wow, I need to get on this. And then that kind of gave me a kick up the bum to, to get it sorted real quick. Nice. And then how, how was your time over there in Linwood? For people that don't know St. Louis, Missouri. Yeah, <laughs> yeah mate, so... I didn't really know what to expect going there. Um, I didn't really, I never been, I never really been to the Midwest or the middle of the country. Um, so I really didn't know what to expect. Um, I did a bunch of research beforehand in terms of the university, but still, like you know, you you, you don't know what it's like until you get there, mate. But it was unbelievable. It was so good, like legit. Wouldn't change it for the world. Uh, it was like, oh, it's funny. I often say <laughs> I play play Xbox sometimes with some of the boys I went to uni with, and, I, and we always like, man, how, I don't, don't want to be these guys. But we're like, how much would you pay to, to restart college yeah. again? And they're all like, man, I would give a lot of money. And I'm like, so it's, uh, it's, it's unreal. It was, it was so much fun, dude. Like you got, you got, uh, you got dudes from, you know, like yourself from Ireland, England, New Zealand, South Africa, Zimbabwe, like, everywhere all over the country all over america you've mm. got dudes from hawaii california new york wherever ohio wherever it is like iowa like you know so it was, it was cool to just kind of all come together for the for the common love of a sport and just make some real good mates like honestly like my best mates is from from lindawood for sure um man like ticked off nearly 40 40 out of the 50 states through travel for rugby in that four and a half years that I was there, like we were, we're in a different place every two weeks. Like it was, it was amazing, honestly. Like it was, it was so good. Like, yeah, it was, yeah, it was fantastic. I, I recommend that experience to anyone that's not playing kind of professional rugby out of high school. If they're not going to pursue their sport in their country, you got to give this a try. Whether it's Linenwood or another school, like it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Oh, 
like you were nearly struggling to put into words there how good it is and how just yeah, unreal yeah. it was. I'm the same. I'm like, and my younger brother's going there now. I'm like, it's it's like it's when I talk to my friends or whatever, like just so much fun. As I say, traveling <laughs> every state, all these different places, it's it's outrageous. It's unreal. Tell me then a bit about what you're doing with helping people get over, helping young players get over to the states and get scholarships, like following your footpaths. Yeah, yeah. So when when COVID hit last year, I was like, "What am I gonna do?" We got like ten months of the year to like till next preseason. wasn't even I wasn't even sure if the next season of MLR was gonna happen with how crazy COVID was going in the US. So I was like, "What can I do from home?" Like you know, trying to figure out a way to put a bit more money in the pocket. Um, so myself and another dude that I went to London with, with uh, Chris, started like a little business just helping. Um, students get connected with universities that offer them financial aid for for their rugby playing ability um so we've we've i think maybe like eight eight students so far um the past year that we've helped get over there um so we're pretty happy with that you know just just kind of connecting them with the universities negotiating stuff for them filling out all their paperwork and making sure that the university and and the and the rugby team and the academics are, are a correct fit for them so it's rewarding like seeing these dudes come over here from from various countries and and hoping that they have as much of a good time as as i did so yeah it's it's awesome man it's uh something that i do in my spare time when i'm not training and whatnot um so so we're really passionate about that because we know how much it kind of changed our lives and and for the better and just how, how much of a good time it was in all honesty yeah. so it is a it's a good little gig for sure unreal and that's strive athletes abroad what's the handle on instagram yeah so it's it's exactly that at strive athletes abroad so if you if you if you are listening to this and what we describe sounds like something that you'd like to do just jump in the dms and and we'll get to work for sure yeah cool and then um, so when then did so sorry when you went over to Lindenwood, were you thinking it was just to you know get to america and play with rugby on the side but then when did playing professionally come up on your radar or did you start to think seriously about it Honestly, like, so MLR was happening in my last year of university. So I finished in May 2018 and MLR had started in February 2018, I believe, or January 2018. So obviously like it had, it had, uh, it had, you know, they'd, there'd been news of it happening for about six months beforehand. So I kind of kept tabs on that and whatnot. But I mean, I can remember even at the start of my kind of last semester when, when, um, when uh, MLR had already started, it was my last semester of college. Like I can remember I, I nearly took a graduate assistant pro uh, uh, graduate assistant position at a university to do my master's and coach. So it really probably wasn't until like, february or march of that year like two three months before i graduated i got connected with uh or got chatting with one of my mates that was down in nola and he was like bro just come down and play sevens in the club circuit for the summer and like you know chat to our gm and like kind of try out and like get amongst the lads and stuff and i was like yeah why not like would be awesome so like even then i didn't have like a concrete offer or anything i just kind of had um I just kind of had like a, you know, obviously there was interest from the team and that, and then I went down there and trialed and, and 
and played and whatnot and then came back to St. Louis in like August of that year and in October just got a call saying like or November just got a call saying like we want to offer you a contract and that so yeah it was it was honestly like probably two months before I graduated I was like sweet like if this is actually going to happen I want to be involved in this you know what I mean so it was really really kind of late like originally the plan was go over here play rugby four years get my degree and then kind of see where the wind blows me to be honest um but yeah, there wasn't really a plan after graduating. I was just kind of get it done and then see see what the crack is. That's interesting. I suppose you probably like every kid wanted to play pro rugby, but it wasn't really in the forefront of your mind till just before it happened. And like, there's maybe even a benefit to that. Would you feel you've been playing carefree, not worrying about the end result? Because I know, like when I was younger, lots of people you want to get get here, get here, get here. I want to get here. I want to get here. You're constantly thinking. How can I get here? How can I get here? Whereas you're saying you're just having a bit of fun playing a bit of rugby and then all of a sudden you're playing pro. Yeah, I mean, you're probably right. I didn't even think about that aspect at the time, but you're definitely right. Like, you know, if I knew that all these games were going to be watched and stuff, would I have necessarily thrown that pass there or chipped chipped over the top here or, you know, whatever it is, just, you know, had fun? Maybe not. So that's probably a potential positive um aspect of of not really thinking about it and I think the other thing for me was like it was pro rugby in America and to be honest I was like ah this is this ain't gonna you know this isn't gonna you know work out and it did and it was fantastic so like that that I was very skeptical because you know obviously before major league rugby they had that pro league like two years beforehand which just folded immediately so I was kind of I was kind of skeptical of it but I mean it's fantastic going on to the year five coming up here next year and it's and it's flying so that's it's great yeah that's class and has playing pro been what you thought it would be yeah i mean it's been unreal for sure um obviously with a with a new startup league it's not going to be as glamorous in these first years as say the you know super rugby would be but I mean, the way that my club New Orleans has grown has been nothing short of amazing. Like you know, my first year we were training on a semi dodgy, bumpy kind of pitch. We had you know we had a we had a kind of locker room there with showers and and whatnot, but it wasn't anything glamorous. We had a clubhouse which was an old bar. I mean, it served its purpose. It was it was great. Like it was there's no complaints or anything. But you know, it was it wasn't it wasn't particularly glamorous or anything like that. Um, you know, coming into coming into my second year, so la uh, twenty twenty before COVID, we'd moved, we'd, we were still training at the one place and had our clubhouse at the one place, but we were playing at this um, 10,000 capacity uh, remodeled baseball stadium because the AAA team um, had moved to Kansas. So we got a lease on that stadium to use as our game day field. So that was fantastic, beautiful grass, like nice stadium. Um, and then my uh, last year, uh, we moved full-time into that stadium. So our our shop is there, like our, our our merchandise store is there. All the front office sponsorship, sales, marketing, all those people's offices are in the stadium. Our GM's office, our coach's office, our physio room, our gym, our locker room. We've got cable TV. There's Wi-Fi. There's 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 so much space. There's a players' lounge. There's you know it's it's and 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 that to be honest the the that setup is definitely on par with what you'd see in professional leagues around the world. Like everything is in one place. You've got everything you need. You need to have lunch. 
you go have lunch at the in the in the players' lounge. You know, you get your ankle tape for the game, duck into the physio room. You get your gym done. You go to the field. You get your recovery done. You eat lunch. You go home. It's perfect. It's amazing. That's incredible. Yeah, that's um, when I was in Connacht as a kid. The gym was an old office that was probably you could fit about four people in there, and <laughs> like a, their way. You know, it's brilliant. It's, their setup there is brilliant now, but they're still playing on a pitch with a dog track around it, and they've they're building a new stadium at the moment, but. What you were yeah. saying there sounds definitely as good as most Pro 14 sides. Yeah. And what what's a typical day like? I know you've been injured for the last for the last eight months, as you mentioned, but what's a schedule like in NOLA? Yeah, bro. So um, usually arrive at the field between 8 and 8, at the stadium between 8 and 8.30. Um, Usually, so like backs will have units from 8.30 to 9.30, let's say, and then we'll have gym from 9.30 to 10.30, uh, and then we'll have a little break, and then we'll do our pre-practice, pre-training meetings. Um, so, you know, depending on what day it is, that might be covering, you know, uh, another team's attack or defense or reviewing our attack or defense from the previous games. We'll do that. Uh, we'll go out onto the field for, say, 11, 11.30, 12 sometimes, train till one thirty two, have lunch, and then you're off for the rest of the day from, like, 2.30. So you're in from about 8.30 to 2.30. You know, if you need to do extras or you need to do your rehab, um, you go do that. I mean, for me, for Mark, for, personally, for me this year, it was pretty much the same. Come in when the boys are doing units, I'll do kind of my rehab little stuff um and then when they do the gym i'll do my gym and then go probably see the physio get my rehab done or whatever i need if i need massage or loosen up or stretch or whatever do that um and then at the early times like at the er earlier part of when i was going through my recovery when they were out on the field i was pretty much just sitting there watching because i couldn't run or anything so um, but towards the back end of the season, I was actually able to get in and train a little bit and obviously do rehab running and stuff. So that is pretty chilled. Same thing, 8.30 to 2.30. It was nice. And then you have um, just quite a big off-season in the MLR. So you just, you, well, there's a bit more, an extra couple months. So you guys are just off for kind of four months or have time to yourself? Mate, yeah. Yeah, so we're off for five months, bro. So... um there's a probably a decent core of us that like we live in New Orleans, like this is our city. Um, but there's obviously all all the foreign, most of the foreign boys, unless they find a little uh, a Bayou Flame, uh, a back in whatever country they're from. Um, but yeah, so there's probably like ten or twelve of us, maybe fifteen of us that are here training and that. Like we'll go gym and field and stuff together still in the off season. Um, so, but yeah, so it's a it is a five. Yeah, it's five months, bro. We don't get back together until like the third of January, bro. So after Christmas. Um, so what is that? Six of August. Yeah, it's five months. Um, so yeah, off season. I'm planning to do a little bit of traveling, COVID permitting, like just around kind of either around the country or to to little going to going to Puerto Rico on Monday and and uh, Turks and Caicos in October. So a little bit of traveling and that, and then, um. Yeah, just train, get this knee fixed up 100%, 
Um, and, you know, obviously the boys will be doing whatever their goals are for the off-season, gaining weight, losing weight, getting fitter, getting, you know, whatever it is. So it's nice, man. It's nice to have the guys here as well that live here and be able to train with them and whatnot. Um, yeah, it's really nice. And what's the best part about playing pro rugby for you? Um, hey, there's a lot of things. Oh, I just like the camaraderie, mate, just being in that team environment, dude. Like when I... When I stop playing, that's definitely going to be the thing that I miss the most, bro, because you're, you're with, like, 20 of your mates every day, like, just chopping it up, talking talking rubbish, making jokes, you know, playing the sport you like. That's probably what I'll miss the most when I have to retire is is that for sure. And I, I honestly, I like to travel, bro. Like, we, we like the cities that we go to are uh, good, like San Diego, Toronto, New York, L.A., like, Right, like those are those are mad cities to go to, um, and and get to spend like a day before the game, like checking it out. So I actually really like the travel as long as we as long as we get the direct flights. <laughs> yeah, have you had a couple where you've had to bounce around? Yeah, we had we had a shocker to Utah the one the one year, mate. We were in like Nola to San Fran, then to Utah. So we flew about two hours past Utah just to go back there, which is great. Oh yeah, what parts are difficult? So, like, when people on the outside looking in, it does look all, um, you know, you're getting paid to play, to do what you love, you've got your time off, you get it looks, it just looks so easy and looks so great, but what parts are difficult? Um, I mean, the thing is, like, with MLR still being, like, such a fledgling, fledgling league, like, you, you don't really get the like say fan abuse or like social media like abuse and stuff that maybe some guys in higher profile leagues would get so that's nice um you know you don't have blokes sliding into your dms telling you to off yourself because you've missed a conversion to win the game and stuff which i'm sure guys in bigger leagues definitely have to deal with um i mean when you're if you you know when you're not when you're not getting picked or you're injured, maybe it's not as great because like playing is so much of your identity. So it's mm. kind of hard to stay positive maybe for some guys. Um, yeah. You know, for, for, for me with my injury, like obviously I was gutted as, but you know, I realized pretty soon after I did it, it was just like, dude, it's done. It's happened. You know, you can't think about if you did this or did this, you just got to get on with it. And like, I tried to bring the energy this year, just like in the gym and playing, playing beats and dancing and like geeing the boys up and stuff. So that was my kind of way with dealing with not playing is like, you know, like going to the gym and practice is my game day. So I got to make it fun for everyone and fun for myself. So yeah, honestly, I mean, really not too many negatives. Uh, I'm going to be dead honest. Like it's, it's pretty awesome. Uh, pretty awesome for me maybe some guys would have different experiences but for me it's been class i think uh i think that what you're saying there is is you can choose how to look at things like somebody doing their acl would be the worst thing that ever happened to them in their life whereas you like what's what's good and what's bad or is always available to us we always choose how our mindset you know what i mean and like you've chose you chose then all right, my next job is to get over this and to go pump up the boys in the gym and have fun and practice. And whereas other people, they get down and go, this is so tough. Like if I, if I wasn't playing this, I wouldn't have a, a shattered knee. You know what I mean? 
think that's huge. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, there was also days where I was like, fuck, like, you know, fuck this, like, but those those days were were not that common, you know? Um, like, it was, it was, like I said, just control the controllables, all right? You got injured, sweet, what can you do to fix it? You know, attack the rehab and, and do it. And, I mean, I, tr- I tried to not allow myself to mope too much, like, it was, it was obviously frustrating watching and stuff, but what can I do about it? There's nothing I can do. All I can do to, to get that feeling of playing back is, is to, to go hard and do as best I can rehab and, and, and whatnot. Yeah. Nice one. You've engraved your time. I won't keep you too much longer, but um, what would you say to your 15 year old self? Um, go eat some more KFC, buddy. Uh, nah, <laughs> I don't know. Just say, uh, I'll just say, just keep doing what you're doing. Work hard, have fun back yourself and you know if, if you if you kind of get have confidence and believe in yourself then you'll be able to make some pretty special things happen um it might not be might not be with the brumbies but you you'll be you'll be playing there playing decent footy if you if you back yourself and have fun really nice one yeah that's class thanks Emil. thanks Emil, for your time really appreciate it and yeah there's lots there that people get a lot of value out of yeah, yeah, no worries, man. Thanks for having me. Um, if anyone has any questions or listening to this and want to have a chat about anything rugby related or life related, you can jump in my DMs on Instagram at Nick Feeks. Um, but yeah, cheers. Appreciate it, bro. I really enjoyed that chat. It was brilliant catching up with Feeks. As I mentioned in the intro, we went to Lindawood together and I coached him there. Thankfully, he doesn't hold it against me that I had him on the bench when I was coaching. Shows how good a coach I was back then. Hopefully I've improved. If you enjoyed that, please leave a rating and review and subscribe to the pod if you haven't already. And next week's episode will be out next Wednesday. I'm thinking of doing it every Wednesday from now on, but let me know your thoughts. And next week's chat is with somebody who was at the last World Cup, but took, I think, one of the most obscure routes to professional rugby. It's a really, really interesting story. If you have any feedback, please let me know on Instagram. I'm the off-field rugby coach there. That's at off-field rugby. So yeah, if you have any thoughts, let me know. If you have any guests you would like to have on, any players, coaches, let me know. Any thoughts on the questions I asked or what kind of things you would like to know of players. Yeah, shoot me on anything. Hope you enjoyed the pod and got something from it. Please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. And also, please send the podcast on to some friends. Really appreciate you taking the time. Have a great rest of your day. Cheers.